And so I, I counted a, a, just a blessing to be celebrating with you 112 years and to think that I get to build uh, or to be partnering with you to build on what other people have done for uh, over a century um, truly is a blessing. And so thank you so much for allowing me to partner with you to do these things. But today, uh, I want to talk to you about the next and the last judge in the nation of Israel. We're introduced to a man who is a living, breathing, walking, talking contradiction. You ever met somebody like that? His name is Samson. Samson's life is marked by great victories. But sadly... Samson's life is also marked by even greater failures. He was a man used by the Holy Spirit, but utterly ruled by his flesh. Samson was the strongest man who ever lived, and yet he was also the weakest. Samson was dedicated to God even before he was born. But then he was dedicated to himself until the day he died. In the end, Samson's weaknesses overcame all of his strengths. His life reveals the sad consequences of a believer demanding his or her own way. For you see, Samson had a weakness for ungodly women. And although the the Lord did work in his life, Samson pursued his sin and he reaped the consequences of all those poor decisions that he had made in his life. In Hebrews chapter 11, the author of that book Describes Samson as a man of faith. But I believe that we can see that his life clearly demonstrates unfaithfulness. Samson was undisciplined. Samson was unpredictable. And Samson was undependable. He was, as James 1.8 tells us, a double-minded man. Unstable. In all his ways. And I believe that Samson is a great example of what a believer should not be. But sadly, on the other hand, I fear that Samson's life represents the lives that we live for the Lord. In the next several weeks, we're going to follow Samson's life through all the victories. And through all the failures. And I'm praying that you will let the Lord speak to your heart about this man named Samson. It may just be that you and I will see some weakness in our own life that dominated Samson's life. It may very well be that we may see ourselves reflected in the mirror of Samson's life. So we're going to begin today by looking at the details of the birth of Samson, this man who was destined for greatness, but
destined for greatness. But the first thing we want to look at is the announcement of Samson's birth. If you will go with me to Judges chapter 13, that's going to be in the neighborhood of page 245 probably in the Bibles in front of you. And we're going to begin reading in the first verse of Judges chapter 13 about the birth of Samson. Samson. Now, the first verse uh, gives us a familiar refrain that we've heard about all the judges in Israel. Verse 1 tells us that again, say again. That's right. Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. Now, there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and could have no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink or not to drink, not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son and no razor shall come upon his head for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Now notice that this announcement came as a heavenly announcement. Because God's people had returned to their wicked behavior, because God's people had returned to the worship of false gods, because God's people had returned to doing evil in the sight of the Lord, they suffered for 40 long years at the hands of the Philistines. But you and I have learned that God loves His people. And God finds it extremely difficult to endure the suffering of His own people. So what does He do? He visits the wife of a man named Manoah who had been unable to have children and He brings her some glorious news. She's going to have a Samson's mother is told that her son is going to be used of the Lord to deliver the nation of Israel from the hand of the Philistines. But the question begs to be asked, who is this angel of the Lord? Friend, we have every reason to believe that this is a pre-Bethlehem, pre-incarnate appearance of of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, this is another Christophany. Another Christophany, much like the one we found in chapter 6, where the Lord appeared to Gideon. Many of you may remember that. But this time, Jesus Christ steps out of eternity to bring some good news to a hopeless couple and ultimately to a very rebellious nation. 
But not only did Samson's birth come as a heavenly announcement, it also came as a very hopeful announcement. After 40 long years of oppression due to their own sin, the announcement of the birth of this deliverer comes as a welcomed word to the nation of Israel. They were reminded that God had not forgotten His people. Even though they were sinful and doing evil in their sight, God had not forgotten them. They were reminded that God had a plan. How many of you know that God has a plan? Amen. He has a plan to revive, a plan to restore, even when we are in the grip of sin. Friend, this should remind you, this should remind me that God always has a plan when He wants to revive us, when He wants to restore us, if we will just follow His plan. Listen, y'all, it may look like the world around you is spinning out of control, but God is always, always busy fulfilling His plan for His glory. You can always trust God to do the right thing. You can always trust God to do the best thing. But with this announcement of Samson's birth also came some arrangements surrounding his birth. Let's continue reading in verse 6 of chapter 13. And so the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came to me, and his countenance was like the countenance of an angel of God, very awesome. But I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. And he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now drink no wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. And then Manoah prayed to the Lord. And he said, Oh, my Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent to come to us again and teach us what we shall do for the child who will be born. And God listened. And God listened to the voice of Manoah. And the angel of God came to the woman again as she was sitting in the field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. And then the woman ran in haste and told her husband and said to him, Look, the man who came to me the other day has just now appeared to me. So Manoah arose and followed his wife. And when they came to the man, he said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And listened to his response. And he said, I am. Do you remember what God told Moses at the burning bush? When Moses said, what shall I tell your people your name is? Do you remember what God told Moses? He said, I tell them I am who I am. Amen. And that's exactly the same thing that this man, angel of the Lord said. So Manoah said, now let your words come to pass. What will be the boy's rule of life and his work? And so the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She shall not eat anything that comes from the vine, nor may she drink wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. All that I command her, let her observe. Now the first thing that I notice here is these arrangements involved a miracle. See, in this society... The inability to have children came with it shame. 
the inability to have children came with it a stigma that could often be seen as the judgment of God upon a woman. So in this culture where every young woman wanted to fill their home with the joy and laughter of children, God came to this unnamed, barren woman and promised her a little boy. And not only that, God promised that her son would be very special indeed. For you see, Samson would be a judge of all the nation of Israel. Now, just the fact that God would send a baby when a nation needed to be delivered is something that's amazing in and of itself. Babies are weak. Babies are helpless. Babies are dependent upon others for all their needs. Yet, when God has a great work to do, do you know what he sends? He often sends a baby. Think about it. When God chose to begin unfolding his wonderful work of salvation, who did he send? He sent baby Isaac. Baby Isaac to uh, Abraham and Sarah to show that we too would be saved by faith. When God sought to deliver the nation of Israel from Egypt, who did he send? Baby Moses to Amram and Jochebed. Then there was when, uh, last week we, we learned that when God sought to revive a nation that was spiritually dead, what did he send? He sent baby Samuel to Hannah and Elkanah. And then when the time came for God to save the world from sin, who did he send? Baby Jesus to Mary and Joseph. You see, like all of those parents... Manoah and his wife were just two unknown people living out their lives in Israel. But listen, y'all, God knew them. God knew who they were. God knew what they needed, and God knew what they wanted and provided for them. I want to tell you something great this morning. God knows you too. He knows what you want. He knows what you need, and he knows what's best for you. You may think that no one cares about you. You may think that no one cares what you're facing in life, but we have a God in heaven who's got his eye on you. Amen. How do you know, Bill? Well, you just listen to what Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount. He said, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? Are not, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father's will. But the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Now, some of us got a lot of hair. Brother Hal. Amen. Listen to the last verse. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value. You are of more value. You are of more value than many sparrows. God is intimately aware of all the consequences going on in your life. Nothing takes him by surprise. He's not shocked that this has happened to you. He knows you. He's aware of what's going on in your life. And he cares about you. In his time, he will unfold his plans for you and 
for your life. So the arrangements of Samson's birth involved this great miracle. But they also involved a mandate. A mandate. Samson's mama tells her husband that her son is to be a Nazarite unto God from the womb to the day that he dies. The Lord has told her that throughout her pregnancy, she is commanded to not booze it up. Amen. She is commanded to abstain from wine, to abstain from strong drink, to abstain from anything clean. Why would God tell her to do that? Because Samson is to be dedicated to the Lord from the womb to the tomb. Amen. And everything in between. For Samson's entire life, he was to never drink wine. He was to never drink strong drink. He was to never eat anything unclean. He was to never cut his hair. He was to never shave his beard. But sadly, we learn that Samson would probably violate nearly every one of those commands on his life. You see, Samson knew the code, but he didn't grasp the concept. It just never clicked with Samson that he was supposed to separate himself. Listen up, y'all. He was supposed to separate himself from all the forbidden things in this world and be dedicated unto God and Him alone. Now, before we start snooting our nose up at Samson, let's don't look too hard at him, okay? Because many believers don't get it either. Are you hearing me, church? Many believers don't get it either. Oh, they get the code. But they don't grasp the concept. They get the code, but they don't grasp the concept. Friends, listen. When the Lord saved us, He redeemed us, He purchased us with the blood of Jesus Christ, and we belong to Him. We are His property, therefore we are to be separate unto the Lord. Just like Samson. But like Samson, we often have trouble living that kind of life, don't we? Like Samson, we continually defile ourselves with worldly things. We continually defile ourselves with forbidden things. Like Samson, we need to understand there's a price to pay for that kind of disobedience to God. It may not happen in this life, but there is a price to pay. So these arrangements surrounding Samson's birth involved that miracle and certainly that mandate on his whole life, but they also involved a ministry. This baby was going to be the next judge of the whole nation. Now, we never think of sending a baby to save a nation. No, we think of some, sending a full-grown man who's been trained to fight. He's, no, he knows he's hardened in battle. That's who we would send. But that's not what God did. God sent a baby. God sent a baby to be the judge. What does that teach me and you? Parents, listen up. You never know. You never know who God has given you to raise. You never know, parents, who God has placed in your care 
to raise up. So what do I say? I say invest in the kingdom of God. Raise your kid for the glory of the Lord. Amen? Raise your child for the glory of God. That is the least you can do for them and the least you can do for the Lord. So we've seen the announcement. We've seen these arrangements around Samson's birth. But finally, I want to bring you to the actual accomplishment of Samson's birth. Let's continue reading in verse 15 and we'll finish that chapter out. In verse 15, then Manoah, Samson's daddy, said to the angel of the Lord, Please let us detain you, and we will prepare a young goat for you. And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Though you detain me, I will not eat your food, but if you offer a burnt offering, you must offer it to the Lord. Now, this is one of the reasons that we know that this is a Christophany, because there is no angel that is going to accept worship that is due to God. Amen? So this worship and this offering is coming to God himself. For Manoah did not know that he was the angel of the Lord. And then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name? That when your words come to pass, we may honor you. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask me my name, seeing that it is wonderful? I was immediately drawn to the words of Isaiah when he said unto us, son is born unto us a child is given and his name shall be called wonderful his name shall be called wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father prince of peace and so Manoah took the young goat with a grain offering and offered it up on the rock of the Lord and he the Lord did one, a wondrous thing while Manoah and his wife looked on. Listen to what happened. It happened that as the flame went up from the offering toward heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord himself ascended in the flame of the altar. And when Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. And when the angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and his wife, then Manoah knew that this was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to his wife, We shall surely die because we have seen God. Now, Manoah's wife had a lot of common sense, like a lot of our wives, men. Amen? She had common sense. Listen to her reply. And his wife said to him, If the Lord wanted to kill us, He would not have accepted our burnt offering. That's common sense, amen? If the Lord had desired to kill us, he would not accept our grain offering from our hands. If the Lord desired to kill us, He would not have shown us all these things. If the Lord desired to kill us, He would not have told us such things as He has at this time. And so the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew and the Lord blessed him and the servant of the Lord began to move upon him at Manah, Dan, between Zorah and Eshtel. Now, let me begin here with the actual realization of Samson's birth. God kept his promise. Amen? He told Manoah's mama that he, she was going to conceive and bear a son. And just like he said, she bore a son. That reminds me of something really, really important. God always keeps his promises. Amen? 
He always keeps His promises. God cannot lie. He stands by every promise that He's ever made. And He caused this happy mama, this happy mama to give birth and name her son Samson. Now, the name Samson literally means like the sun or sunny. So those early days of Samson's life must have seemed like a ray of heavenly sunshine in a home that had waited so long for the cry of a baby. But little did Manoah and his wife know that one day their little sunny boy would turn from the light and he would walk in the darkness nearly all his life. That's just a reminder to you and I. As parents... Sometimes we can do our very dead level best and our children just don't turn out the way that we had hoped. We cannot know the future. So what can we do as parents? We can just do our best. We can pray our hearts out for them and we can bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. We can pray for them that we will train up these children in the way that they should go so that when they grow old, they will not. Depart from it. But as we'll see later on, Samson's parents raised a spoiled brat. You ever met one of them before? A spoiled brat. They gave Samson everything he ever wanted, and it backfired on him. They may have followed the letter of the law in keeping him away from all those things that God forbade, but they failed to cultivate in Samson a love for God. The parents failed to cultivate in Samson a love for doing the right thing. And those two things in and of themselves would have been a major change in Samson's life. If we don't teach him anything else, let us teach our children to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to do the right thing according to God. But not only do we see this realization, we also see that there's a relationship involved in Samson's birth. We're told that Samson grew. And we're told that the Lord blessed him. But then we're told something that was never ever said about any other judge in the nation of Israel. We're told that the Spirit of the Lord began to move on Samson. That indicates that at least early on, God's hand was on Samson in a very special way. But how sad it is to see Samson fail to live up to his potential in the Lord. May I ask you a question this morning? Are you living up to your potential? Are you living up to your potential in the Lord? Friend, how sad it is when God's own people, saved by Him, purchased by Him, owned by Him, fail to reach our God-given potential. See, through the Holy Spirit of God, you and I have a very, very special relationship with God. In fact, did you know that there is no more intimate a relationship with God than what you got? Think about that. 
to have God living in you. It don't get more intimate than that, y'all. So we have this special relationship, this special relationship with God, and he's got a special plan to make us more like the image of his son, Jesus. What's our duty? Our duty is to be where God wants us, doing what God wants us to do. And can I tell you by personal experience and my own life, there is no greater blessing, friend, than to be the person that God saved you to be, doing the things that God told you to do. Amen. That is the greatest blessing for the Christian. So we see Samson got off to a good start. He got off to a good, and God blessed him early on. But somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, Samson drifted and lost his direction. It reminds me of a guy that I know. Bill Barlow's his name. Who came to Christ early on. Seemed that everything was going for him. And somehow he lost his direction. He took his eyes off the Lord. And he went to that faraway land. Praise God. He came back to the Father. Because you see, God is still looking. God is still looking for some people in whom His Spirit can move. Friends, if we're saved, if we're living for the Lord, if we're keeping our eyes on the Lord, He will use us for His glory in this world we live in. Are you in a place where God can use you, where the Spirit of God can move in you and make a difference using your life for His glory? He's still looking for people. He's still looking for servants. He's still looking for servants who are willing, who are available to be used by the hand of God. Does that describe you this morning? What does your relationship with the Lord look like? It's time to be honest this morning. It's time to be honest. Does your relationship have all in it that it should? Friend, are you completely, say completely, are you completely sold out to the Lord? It's time to get honest. I've had to be honest with myself all week, and now it's your turn. Amen. Have you been available to God like you should be? Hey, let's get down to the brass tacks of it all, okay? Are you even saved? Are you a born-again believer? Have you given your life to Christ? Is He the Lord of your life? Have you submitted to God's will for your life? Have you received Jesus Christ by faith and received the grace of God thereby? Are you even saved? Christian, this question is for you. What does your relationship, 
what the Holy Spirit looked like. When the Holy Spirit moves upon you, how do you respond? How do you respond? When the Holy Spirit gives you direction, do you submit to the Holy Spirit's direction? When the Holy Spirit gives you leadership, do you yield to His leadership? Do you respond to the Holy Spirit in humble and swift obedience? Are you revealing the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Are you showing other people the love of God? Are you manifesting the joy of Jesus Christ in your life? Is the God of peace showing the peace of God in your life? Are you patient with people? Y'all do this. By habit, we're not patient with people, but God is patient with us. He's long-suffering with us. Is your life revealing the kindness of God, the goodness of God? Are you as faithful to the Lord as He is faithful to you? Do you live your life gentle, gentle and humble? Are you living life with self-control or rather under Spirit's control? What's your relationship with the Holy Spirit, friend? Maybe it's time for an examination. Maybe we need to examine our relationship with God. Maybe we need to examine specifically our relationship with the Holy Spirit that resides in the believer. Did you know that you can grieve the Holy Spirit that's within you? You can crush Him. Did you know that you can outright quench the Holy Spirit that is within you? That means make him of no avail. Friend, if you've examined yourself today, if you've been honest with yourself and you found that you need to change in some way, I want to tell you that the greatest place to deal with God is right here, right now, at this altar. And I want to challenge you that if He's calling, speaking to you and examining you and you have found your love for him wanting found your relationship with God and with the Holy Spirit wanting that you would come to him right now and can I just say obedience always honors the Lord let me pray for you Mm -hmm.